Hi, Henry. Hi, how are you? I'm fine. I am so glad we get a chance to talk about some of the things that we were talking about and share it because uh, I, you know, I, I was just blown away by some of the things, one, all the things that you're doing, but two, the conversation we had, I wish I had recorded it then. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I agree. It was impromptu too. It was a, I, it was a great conversation. It was wonderful. So I, you know, I do these reflections as if we're just sitting on my porch. So I got, I got some coffee here and I figured, you know, we'll just kind of uh, talk about some of the things we mentioned. And one of the things that, that I loved is that one, you're writing a book and we're going to talk about that. Yes. You're, you're doing just so much at your school, but just kind of, you know, just, Give a little bit of an overview since I'm recording this. Yeah. Just a little you. bit about you. Sure. So um, my, my story uh, is that I, I grew up uh, born and raised in Boston. I've never lived outside of Massachusetts. Um, and uh, but a foundational part of my story is that I was we were one of the few families of color that lived in our in our town. And um, and that really defined um, a lot of my of, of my of my being. In that, I lived in a family that talked a lot about race, in a community that talked very little about race. And um, and so I wanted, you know, when I was in school, well, as early as I can remember, race was a part of our conversation. And the negative experiences that I that I had as being one of the few kids of color, um, you know, helped me to want to talk more and more and more about it. And so um, I was a very involved uh, person growing up. Um, I was a swimmer, um, ended up becoming a college swimmer. Um, and um, also, you know, very involved in my in my high school experience. I was vice president of my class, I had founded, you know, all these uh, clubs, I just I loved, I loved school. But I, I, um, I didn't love that I never felt, even though I was well-received, I never felt um, that I was truly a part of it. And, um, and I think I felt, like I, I felt like an outsider. And I think that race played a big, a big part, of, a part of it, that there were differences. And there were just experiences that I had that, were, that um, helped to affirm that for me. And so when I went to college, I went to U UMass Amherst and I uh, was a history major, knew I wanted to be a teacher. That experience growing up, I knew I wanted to be a teacher. I wanted to make a difference. I wanted to change. Um, I wanted to change school and I wanted um, it to be more accepting for all students. I mean, that was me at 16 years old. Like I knew exactly what I wanted to do. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> and so um yeah, so I uh, met my met my wife at, at UMass, and um, we decided to stay in the Boston area. And I started teaching at Lexington High School, um, taught history there. Um, actually, before that, I had taught for a year in, in Western Mass, but spent most of my years teaching at Lexington High School, a very historic town, um, and uh, got the bug to be an administrator. Um, you know, I still wasn't satisfied in terms of the change that 
I wanted to see and I wanted to, I wanted to have more, more influence in that. And um, so I got that bug of wanting to create change and um, became an assistant principal at Newton South High School. Um, and then four years later became a principal in Bedford, Mass., which was a really cool school in that it was um, uh, about 800 students, but, but 13% of the kids were from an Air Force base. And so here was the suburban, uh, um, you know, mostly homogenous school um, that had a very diverse uh, military population come coming in, diverse in many different ways. And um, so that was a really fun school. It was a very progressively minded school in terms of um, its vision around teaching and learning. And um, we got to, we had a, made a lot of great change and also uh race and hate was center in our school as well, talking about, you know, we had to address anti-Semitism and racism and that school. Um, and then after, and I can talk more about that later, but then after mm-hmm. that, I, um, I became principal at Newton North High School. And still, again, like the story doesn't change. I, I, I'm here to, I wanna, I'm here to make, create change and make sure that school is a, is a place for all students. Well, you said some things be, before to me too that were, I mean, the thing is, you said growing up, not being, feeling like you belonged. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of kids that feel like that. But what was the makeup of the, of where you lived? What was the makeup of that? Uh, I don't, I, so there were, so we, so uh, at our high school, in our school district, there were students, uh, it's called the MECO program. It's a big program in Massachusetts where students, uh, students of color from Boston, so it's a, um, uh, it's a uh, desegregation program of student black and brown students from Boston um, going to suburban schools in the Boston area. And so we, mm. those, so those students were uh, made up the rest of the students of color in our school. And so it, we were a very, very small, I don't know what the percentages were, but it was common for me to be the only person of color in my class. In fact, I, I had, you know, some of my foundational stories with my teachers that made me feel less connected were because I was the only one in the class. That must have felt weird because no one in your community was there. It was, I mean, you were brought into a different school and a different community. I mean, I, I can't even imagine what it felt like. Yeah. I mean, I grew, I was, I was one of the few kids that grew up in the, in the community. So I, Oh. When I went home, it was even less. It was even less diverse than my school, which was not diverse. Um, but oh. I, you know, I remember. Oh. Yeah, I remember um, in seventh grade. You know, I, one of the activities that I do um, when we talk about race and uh, with um, groups is we we ask, "What's your first experience involving race or racism?" Mm-hmm. And um, the first story that I, I recall is I have a, a white, white mother is I remember a store clerk being confused about why she was with us. Now it's probably four or five. What um, is, that's weird. Yeah. I mean, that's what I, that's what I remember, but I, the most vivid story I remember is seventh grade. I was in a class, I was in history class and I was just, you know, I was, um, I was a strong student, but I was also a talker. It probably makes me a good, uh, a good <laughs> principal that I like to socialize and, 
And also I could, I liked school, but anyway, um, my friend and I were talking during class. We were not paying attention to, to class at all. We were talking and my teacher sent me to the back of the classroom to separate, separate me from him. And, mm-hmm. um, and so I remember like being in trouble. So I needed to read the, whatever we were reading and we were reading, um, something about, um, the Montgomery bus boycotts in Rosa Parks. And as we're reading it, the teacher just interrupts whoever's reading out loud and says, Henry, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize that I put you in the back of the classroom, just like Rosa Parks was in the back of the bus. So I need, so you get up and walk to the front of the classroom. And so here I am, like, I mean, again, at that age, I wasn't, you know, I was thinking about race, but I was not seeing myself as different in that way and i was embarrassed embarrassed is like any like seventh grade you just want to yeah. like you want to hide and fit in right that's yeah. what seventh grade is and here that's i was sticking time. out sticking out and that's where you know i it for me while i felt you know i the people that i grew up with i love and i love the you know i loved i loved school in so many ways but i never felt like it was the place for me even though i did well so that meant a lot to you. I mean, you 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 probably have more experiences like that, yeah. but yeah. especially since you wanted to make a difference like you did. Right. So it forward, we move forward here. Yeah. Um, you told me some stories. And one of the stories was when you were at Newton, I think, was it Newton? Wait, yeah. the yeah. two students came. I'm going to let you tell this story. Sure. So, um, the third week of, of uh, school starting, um, <clears throat> we had a group of students driving around um, what we call Tiger Drive, which is the front circle of our school, uh, driving around, honking their horn during school and waving the Confederate flag. This is in 2016, so it's right in the wake of the 2016 election. I think it was right after one of the first debates, presidential debates. And another student had caught it on um, on his phone and uploaded it instantly to to um, Facebook, and it just went went viral. Um, and you know, for for better or for worse, our school, because of our proximity and because of our size, we get into the newspapers pretty easily. So anything happens, we can get into the newspaper, and so we were instantly in national news because of this. And so, you know, my, I was at that point, this new principal who just wanted to learn about the community, had an entry plan, you know, was was focused on listening and immediately we were in crisis mode. Um, The school had had some racist incidents uh, the year prior and some uh, anti-Semitic incidents the year prior. And so this event just erupted, um, because it was the beginning of the year and there just had been this tension and the students um, are students of color, but particularly a lot of students, you know, they, they just had it. They were done with, um, with this feeling of intimidation in their school. And um, so, you know, the first thing that I did is I met with uh, our Leadership for a Diverse Society class, which was actually created in the 1980s because uh, 
um, of some racial tension in the school. And it's a it's a junior senior class made up of um, students who are supposed to be leaders in the school, and they make up the diversity in our school in many different ways, in terms of friend groups, in terms of race, in terms of the types of classes they take. And so I just wanted to listen to them. Like, what do you, what are you feeling? What do you want to do? And, you know, I'll just take a second to say like that to me is um, I always think the first lesson for any principal in a crisis is go to your students and hear what they want, what, what they're, what they're feeling. Um, and what, um, you know, they were angry. They just, they wanted to respond. And in fact, uh, the next several days, um, as we're trying to investigate it, understand who did it and, you know, address the students who did do it, um, we had a group of students who wanted to walk out of school. And um, I mean, I'm a second year, second week principal here, right? So I have- Oh, I didn't realize it was that soon. Oh, September. Yeah. So it was very early on. And so it was, you know, we were automatically in crisis mode and, um, you know, one, some of the things that as we transpired, you know, a lot of the things that sort of helped us as a school to start thinking about what are the ways to grow out of this started that week, which was, you know, really, uh, there were a number of adults that we, that worked together to try to, to set this up, which was, we wanted our students to feel empowered and we wanted them to be successful at it. Right. Yes. Which I think like mm-hmm. when we think about like project-based learning, project-based learning is that the students go and work and you sit at the desk. Mm-hmm. Right. Like we well, want them a voice and the choice. We want to give them a voice. We want yeah. them to make mistakes, but we also want them to feel like they're making a difference. Mm-hmm. Right. That's the role of, of the, of the adults to support students, facilitate, their thinking. And, um, you know, our students really had a strong voice. In fact, you know, one of the stories I always tell is that uh, we did, were not in agreement with the students in terms of the kind of protest that they wanted to do. Um, and um, so I was on a, I was in my office at 10 o'clock at night, typing a letter to my faculty about here are four different scenarios that might happen. They may, students may agree with us and we're going to have X type of rally, or they may say to hell with us and do whatever they want, which is going to be really, which is going to be really un- unsafe. And mm-hmm. we're trying, like, that's how unsure we sure I was. And then I get an email from our, from some students who say, can we set up a meeting? This is 10 o'clock at night. And we have a Google hangout negotiating the terms of a student walkout. Really? Yeah. That actually is very empowering. Very empowering. And, yeah. and it also was a sign of like just trust in me and also in our school. Um, and I think it demonstrated a lot of goodwill for our students that we wanted them to, we wanted, we wanted their voice to get out there. Um, and so we were able to, um, um, you know, that it, it, it also, it also, um, trans- what also transpired was that that was, the one day that we were going to have a night football, the one night football game of our, of our football season. So it was anticipated there'd be a lot of people at that football game and our football team, some members of our football team wanted to kneel and there was some tension about whether um, the whole team would kneel or not. And so the team was sort of just struggling with that. Like, how do you, what do you do? 
Well, that's 2016 too. 2016, that's- so very early. Very, very early. early. So that yeah. was different. Yeah. So um, so we supported. So they so long story short, they had a they they had a great rally, student speakers. Um, the students decide again, this is we gave the students the platform to decide on their own. And they decided it to be better to be united as a team, walking arms in solidarity. And it was something that we had seen at a professional game. I think it was the Saints versus the Falcons had done that the week prior. And they felt like that was what they wanted to do. Was that in the um, paper? (laughs) That was in the paper as well. I mean, it was like it ended up with a bow tie of perfect, you know, excellent student rally and, um, and, you know, and the community coming together, locking arms and solidarity in support of, um, against hate and in support of our community. Wow. And we have so to it, find that picture. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it was, it was amazing. And then I think the other part of the story is that we, um, you know, I, one of the, one of the actions I took that following week was I went to our design communications uh, program. So we're a career technical education school. So comprehensive school with a career tech program. And um, I asked them to start thinking about ways to make our mission statement, our core values more visible um, in response to this incident. And what um, transpired of that was, has been, you know, a transformative student project that's been going on now for five years, um, which I showed you that, that, that night. And we can, I think we have in the, in the notes uh-huh. of, um, uh, a what will become a 3D mural right now is a 2D mural of um, uh, of a piece of public art that represents our values as a school and um, particularly around our diversity, celebrating that we're stronger because of our diversity. And it's a hundred percent student created project. Well, you sent me the picture, and we're going to put that on the post that goes yeah. with this. Great. Um, and you said it's going to be a 3D. I'm just curious how, what does that mean? So, um, so they are, so the, the 2D design, which you'll, which you, you'll see is um, the students. So it's a career tech program. So they, they have to create the concept. They have to collaborate together. They have to figure out how to create it and then, and how to, and how to produce it. And so, once the it took about a year and a half for the design to initially be created, and then the mm-hmm. students wanted it to be 3D, through, go through a 3D printer. And so, how do you get a oh. five foot tall piece of public art through a 3D printer? So they realized how much it cost, which was thousands and thousands of dollars, to get it to museum quality, museum quality uh, 3D printing. And then how do you protect it? So how do you have a case for it? So the students created a business plan for how to raise money for it. And uh, they ended up up raising over $10,000 for this piece of public art. I mean, it's like ultimate civic engagement um, about how to transform your school and how to, um, you know, how to learn at within, you know, how to develop these skills the skills of the content, but also the skills around social justice and civic action, right? At the same wow. time. So you said five years. That means they're <laughs> yeah. different kids. These are different Not kids. Not the same kids all year. And so this is something where the whole school's 
kind of wrapping their hands around it and and having parts in it and then passing it on to the next class and absolutely yeah and uh, it takes a while like i have to come in every year to give the story behind it to the you know the students particularly the new students and um the student who de who whose design we initially accepted i think he's now a he's he's probably a senior in high college now so he actually has come back and is still a part of the process Oh, well, you know, it's, it, you own it right. because of the way where you asked them in the first place, they feel that they're responsible and accountable for it, which is kind of what we want. We want yeah. people to really own their learning. So this, I can't wait to show this to everybody because it's yeah. really. And they'll never forget it. Right. I mean, these are never. the, the, I think the moments that we remember of high school um, are the moments that shape us. And you know, that's what, why we want engaged learning experiences for students, because that's what they're going to remember. They're not going to, they're not always going to remember the content, but we want them to remember the skills that they learned and the ways that they engaged and that they had fun with it. Right. Um, and, they, and that it had meaning. And this, this is mm -hmm. how they, this is how, while they remember is because they made a difference in their school. It's also a difference in their lives because hmm. this is, but I, you know, I do a thing on personalized learning just a little bit about yeah. that yeah. and <laughs> and owning your why and all that kind of stuff, too. You yeah. know, I mean, the thing is, is what you've done is you restructured your school in a way right from the beginning where kids had a voice and the teachers were part of this. I mean, it seems like it's a whole different school than when you first joined it. You're right. And I think we're, we are a whole different school. But I also think, uh, you know, from when we when I started, um, I, I that is largely because of our students and our teachers working together to create that. I would also say is that we were, you know, a lot of that foundation was there prior, you know. So I I was fortunate to go into a school that where students already felt like they had a voice oh, um, for a long time. They all all you know, and I think that what we did is we helped them. You know, I think we're, the progress that I think we've made is we've helped them to realize and our faculty to realize that, um, to, to really buy in, that our kids are learning when they're doing that, right? It's not just that it's great for students to, to stand up for their rights and advocate, but it's actually, that is the learning. Well, that's the whole idea. We're learning every moment. Right. The, the, the issue is not only in school. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so what you're, what this is showing is there's a value of your school, but it's also a value in what you're learning that, like you said, they'll remember it. they did make a difference and they're making a difference because I think all of us want to be, we want to do that. We want to make a difference in our lives. Exactly. So you've done it. So you, you're making a difference because now you're going to take some of this information and write a, are you writing a book? Right. So, yeah. So we're, so, you know, the way that I would, I would narrow this even more is that we've leaned in over that course of time of talking about race and racism mm -hmm. and the school for, <clears throat> um, you know, prior to me for a while was talking about, um, you know, had identified that uh, our school was working for um, the majority of students, but that majority of students were white. And um, that for our students of color, particularly for our black and brown students, because it was 
they were, you know, may, many of them were um, not per, were not performing um, uh, and had had fewer opportunities. But I would say all of our students color, including our, our Asian American Pacific Islander students, did not feel connected to the school in a lot of ways. And that had wow. an impact. And so um, and so what you know, I would say it's the sort of the way we've, we're still focusing on on student learning. And at the same time, we're, we're looking at it through a connect, a connectedness lens. How do we make sure that our students feel connected and looking at it from race, through race, that, um, you know, what does it mean to be a school that has, that has an anti-racist culture, you know, that dismantles systemic racism? And I think that when we look at, um, for example, our, our, you know, our grading structures, um, 90% of students in our school um, in a given year, their grades are A's and B's. 90% of their grades are A's and B's. When you just break out up by race, um, it's like 94% of our Asian students, their grades are A's and B's. 90% of our white students are A's and B's. 60% of our, for our Latinx students, 60% of their grades are A's and B's. For our black students, less than 50% of their grades are A's and B's. And so when we look at it from an anti-racist lens, you know, like Ibram Kendi's, um, and one of his more poignant points in his book, How to Be Anti-Racist, is you either are blaming, as a racist, you're either blaming the students of color for that, or it's the system's fault. And so when we look at this grading structure, it's either like our students' fault for um, that they consistently, we have a disparity in grades. It's either their fault or it's our school's fault. And if it's our school's fault, what are the what are the reasons? What are the ideas? What are the policies? And so that over the last several years, that's how we've in this, you know, the incident that happened my first year really in, in events prior um, set us up to really talk about race and racism, about overt racism, but also about the systemic racism that exists. And um, and so the book that um, I'm working on with. Kathy Lopes is, um, I think we've made a lot of progress in that. You know, we are not perfect, um, but we have not solved racism. Um, but we are working really hard in getting uncomfortable as a school to address systemic racism. And, um, um, and so the, the, the purpose of the book is to help school leaders to foster an anti-racist culture in their school. Well, when is this book going to come out? <laughs> so hopefully, um, so hopefully in uh, the winter at the latest. Yeah, it's just one that's really needed, especially you have the examples, and you know you've talked about some. You mentioned having these uncomfortable conversations, which are the courageous conversations we all need. Right. Um, how often? I'm just, you know, it's really going to be difficult for me to stop this conversation because really getting into it now (laughs) but I um the thing that I always wonder is how much a student voice is part are part of that uncomfortable conversation and is it just the career I mean is it everyone in the school or is it certain classes I just wonder how people do this it's it's everyone so we're a school of 2200 students uh over 400 staff members. Um, 
we have a organ we have an organization committed to at least one organization committed to dismantling racism at our student level, our staff level, and our parent level, um, mm. and or our family level. So, um, so we're so at this point, and I would say that the way to get started in this work is is crawl, walk, run. So where we are now is much, you know, where we are, um, we are very organized at this point in this work. Um, but there were, you know, we were starting very, very, very uh, slowly at first. But at this point, we have, a, yeah, we have a student group um, that is um, focused on um, working with the administration when a racist incident occurs. So that's one of our that's one of our student organizations. We have affinity groups for many of our historically marginalized student groups, mm. um, and those groups. You know, one of the powerful parts of our of our school is our cultural um, assemblies. We take we have days for Hispanic Latin uh, Latin American uh, uh, cultural day. We have a Black cultural day. We have. Um, to be glad day for uh, gay, uh, LGBTQ community. We have a Middle East day with many, many, many um, uh, gender, uh, gender identity. We have many of these sort of events where we have panelists, student panelists, faculty panelists, experts. Um, and every block there is something for, for uh, teachers to bring their, their classes. Wow. And um, you know, what's interesting, like this is how far we are now is that, we are we're changing our schedule next year, and we are actually creating a structure so that we can make sure that more students can participate in these kinds of days. So, um, so we have that. We have uh, you know we have some social justice focused student groups, and then for faculty, we have affinity groups for our faculty. We have um, a a group where of mostly white educators who are unpacking their own um, just race history with race and thinking about what does it mean to be an anti-racist uh, teacher. Um, and then we have a, a family organization called Families Organizing for Racial Justice. Um, so yeah, we're really organized at this point in terms of trying to really dismantle and having hard conversations. I mean, that's really where mm -hmm. we come back to. And that's actually one of the foundational parts of our, of our book is that it really is the cycle of inquiry that is the way to keep learning in this work, that it's about learning, mm -hmm reflection, acting, and then assessing your, your actions and continuing to go through that, that cycle. And I think in a lot of, lot of where we fall on our face in terms of race, work around race is we go straight to action. Yes, and you don't reflect that. on it first and Correct. have deep conversations. Yep. So, you know, now there's an, the issue with the AAPI with right. all the, I'm in, I'm in California and the Bay Area, there's a lot of incidences that are really so uh, you, you probably have something involving that there too now we do yeah so um our our um our asian culture club actually um in our uh led a moment of silence uh in the you know, middle of the pandemic it was one of our first times getting uh community members together outside the spring um around it um our Asian American Pacific Islander community is one of our is our largest student mm. of color groups, uh, student of color um, demographic populations, and so um, very involved. Um, uh, and and also, I would say that um, 
you know, are within that community. Um, there, I think where what we've it's that this is a lot through our teacher leadership. So we have uh, a, a faculty position called the Office of Human Rights, in which they um, the purpose of this this teaching position is to focus on systemic racism and inequity and to help student groups, faculty groups sort of address it. So um, I would say that our teacher leadership in that office has really worked to get all of our students of color to recognize the similarities, but also the differences that each of the different groups experience. And so what was really, you know, has been really powerful is that when um, a, a, an anti-AAPI incident occurred on Zoom in 2020, um, spring of 2020, uh, um, our Black, uh, Black Leadership Advisory Council and Hispanic Latinx Student United group worked with our Asian Culture Club to create a day to talk about racism um, on, on Zoom, right? Yeah. I mean, just like, and our Asian Culture Club has united to support um, you know, to support our Black, our, our African-American students. Like there's just been, I think, uh, really, you know, we still have work to do there, but at the same time, there's, um, there's there are nice conversations, which I think is really advanced, that our students are seeing where students of color in predominantly white spaces have similarities, but also where there are differences where, and where you have to stand up for other groups. This is amazing. I can't wait for your book, but I, I'm thinking that um, you probably, you know, I'm hoping that this is the kind, you're the school that people can visit or they can learn about it on the news. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> yeah, I mean, really, it's, it's where, what we want for schools is to have real, these real conversations and be able to do something about it. This is you know, this is more than learning. This is what you can do for life. Agreed. And I think that it's, um, you know, that where we are talking about in terms of uh, instruction and learning right now is what are social justice skills and um, mm -hmm. what are the skills that we want students to learn? Um, I'm, I'm chairing a committee, a district committee um, on developing anti-racist curriculum and instruction. And um, and it's around uh, using the social justice skills from uh, learning uh, learning for justice. And um, we want to create some vertical alignment from pre-K through 12. What are the social justice skills that we want students to learn and develop through the, the district? So that this is really in its infancy, but wow. we're at this point where we're, you know, and, and you know, I think it's great that we are a school that's doing great work in a district that's doing great work in this in this space. Mm -hmm. And um, there's a commitment across our district to how do we make sure every student is developing these skills around being an upstander, around advocating for others, um, around um, listen, active listening, um, around understanding what race is and developing your own racial identity. Like Those are some real conversations that we're having to um, to think about how do we help all students? So not just the passionate teacher who um, does this with all of their, you know, their class, uh, and no one else gets, no other students get this, but how do we do it across, um, uh, the district, which is, you know, we're, we're a student, we're 13,000 students. How do we make sure all 13,000 students get this, get these experiences and learn and develop these skills? What's your, what's your district's name? Newton Pub Public Schools. Oh, Newton Public Schools. Okay. Yeah. 
Well, definitely going to definitely going to see more of this because we this is what we need is this type of um, structure because we need. To, I mean, my story as a white woman growing up outside of Washington D.C. and Silver Spring, Maryland, there was a lot of racism there. I didn't even know what was going on. Mm. We need to make people more aware. Right and be part of the conversations. So we're, we all are working together. Agreed. So I am, I told you, Henry, I knew this was gonna to be tough. I was gonna have a hard time <laughs> trying to figure out how to put this in a reflection, but this is, what you're doing is amazing. So your book is going to be called? It's gonna be called Changing the Narrative. Oh, I love that title. How to and foster an anti-racist culture. That's definitely what we've been talking about doing, but you're doing it. And I know it's a lot, it's a long process, but yeah. you're not going to give up. This is something that everyone needs to learn about. And you have these models. Oh boy, this was just, this was really wonderful. Yeah, was fun. No, thank you. I love talking about our school. It's, it's, we're, we're in a, we are an amazing community and we, you know, when we can start having visitors, we can, you know, we, we love having visitors. And uh, I think, you know, part of this is because, because, you know, we can pop up in the newspaper when things are not good, that it's our job to tell our story mm -hmm. uh, because amazing thing is amazing things are happening in our school. So and it's, it's a real community effort to, to do that. Well, you're on, uh, I'm just going to, I want to make sure people, we're going to put your contact information, a little bit about you and, and, but I want to have you just, just in case they forget to click on the link, how can people contact you? Sure. So, um, so I have a newsletter uh, that we're, that um, I'm writing monthly now um, on, for, for, on social justice leadership. It's really for uh, teachers. It's for school leaders. It's really for anyone who's interested in social justice leadership. Um, and so it is, uh, bit.ly backslash Henry J. Turner. Um, and then my Twitter is Turner HJ and Instagram is Turner underscore HJ. And you can get the link to the newsletter uh, there. You can also just go to Henry J. Turner um, com and uh, all the information is there as well. And your Twitter is Turner HJ. Yes. Got that. Oh, this was wonderful. Thank you, Barbara. This was fun. Yeah, one day we're going to be together. Face yeah, to face. I agree. I agree. <laughs> I'm meeting all these California amazing people. I gotta, I gotta go meet you all. Go. <laughs> Come face. on out when it's, especially in the winter. Come out here. You, yeah, you'll exactly. like it better. <laughs> <Agreed>. <laughs> I'll go there in the fall when the colors are beautiful. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. This, this was wonderful. I agree. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Have a wonderful day. You too.